0: Welcome in to the Golden Sombrero Show. This episode, we will be recapping the division series and we will be previewing the championship series for both the National League and the American League. I'm Dominic Stern, joined as always by Cole Bradley and Brian Blake. Guys, our teams have officially all been eliminated, so I no longer get to boast about how well my team is doing to you guys. Uh, how are you guys doing today and how much have you guys enjoyed this past week of
1: baseball? I'm doing good, man. It's pretty fun to watch all these games play out. I mean... You know, given all the circumstances with um, with like the bubble and stuff, I thought that also was super um, interesting to like watch how that played out. It was cool to see like different teams and new environments, I suppose, just, you know, mix it up a little bit. So that was definitely something that intrigued me, but overall really excited for uh, what's ahead.
2: Yeah, I joined the change of scenery for some teams. I thought it was really cool to see, but I think the frustrating thing for me was I'm done picking against my original picks. Twice now this year it's happened. I picked against Shane Bieber. After I picked him originally, I went with Garrett Cole. Missed that one. I picked the Rays in the beginning to go to the ALCS. And, nope, I go ahead and pick the Yankees. I'm done going against my original picks. I'm going to stick with my original picks from now on as long as we have this show. But, no, I've enjoyed – Baseball it has been great to watch. We've had some terrific games. Last night's game was really great. Of course, it goes off of old as Chapman, but no, it was uh it was it's been terrific to see these divisional series and I'm excited for the CS.
0: Yeah, Ryan, you I was definitely gonna make fun of you for picking against the Rays after you had them winning the World Series or going to the World Series and no had the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, no, you had the Dodgers, you're right. I I, I misspoke. Uh, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it, even though my team lost all three games. Uh, the the bubbles were weird because each stadium played dramatically different. You had Dodger Stadium, which might as well have been uh, Williamsport in in Pennsylvania for a Little League World Series. Balls were flying out on pitches that weren't hit very hard, and you know it, it was the same for both teams. So it really just ended up being. Who had more home runs ended up being the Astros, which we'll talk about in a minute. It got of Petco Park. There are some nights where the marine layer wasn't there and the ball was, you know, flying like it had been all year at Petco Park with the Padres. And then there was a couple of nights like last night where the marine layer was like you could tell it was present. Balls being hit well and it just wasn't carrying. You had that Randy Arozarena ball that just was hammered that didn't even get out of the park, which was. Went back to what Petco Park used to be, where just a to hit a home run. And He had Texas, the gigantic stadium that is there. You saw in Game One, the Dodgers had I think four or five flyouts to the warning track on balls that were hit well. But I I got used to it. I I started to figure out when the balls when the ball is gone and when it was not. Except for the Fernando Tatis Jr. one, which we'll talk about, of course. And then you had Houston, the ball was flying there, and I mean smaller park, so. The the bubbles were all playing differently, and it was fascinating. It was a it was a twist. Now, of course, would I prefer the teams to be playing in their home ballparks, hundred and ten percent? But do you guys see this? Did you guys see this as a good thing or a bad thing for baseball that these games were being played in the bubbles?
1: Um, for the sake of I, I, I'd say you know the whole uh, coronavirus thing going on right now. I think it was good. I mean, this was necessary. Um, everybody was complaining about why they didn't do a bubble for the regular season. So I, I feel like this is kind of like, I, here you go, you know, let's, let's do something for the postseason. I mean, it was already part of what has already been such a modified postseason because, you know, they're just sort of throwing in rules and they're like, well, you know, this is the year to do it. So I feel like that was just kind of an added a- aspect where, you know, maybe this is something they use in the future. You know, they treat it sort of like a, um sort of like a situation where, you know, the NFL, they don't play in their own stadium for the Super Bowl. They always have, you know, a a predetermined location or something like that, you know, just to, you know, make it a little bit more interesting. I don't know, but I don't know. I thought it was cool. I I thought it added again, you know, an aspect that we haven't seen before, obviously. Um, And it was just, you know, interesting, like you said, to see how the different ballparks played. Cause, you know, I mean, I'd say a couple of those series were really decided by the home run ball you know there's so many home runs hit especially in that astros a series i mean it felt like almost every run was coming off of the long ball so it was just kind of interesting like you said to see how that played out but you know um we'll see
2: yeah this <clears throat> excuse me the bubble type situation i have mixed feelings about it honestly i think that of course I want to see teams play at their home fields when they can, but I know what the MLB is doing. They're just trying to mix it around, trying to keep, excuse me, keep the spread and prevent COVID. That's really what it's about. And it was successful. And I agree with what Cole said. Basically, it's a, here you go. Here's your bubble-esque type situation like you saw the NHL and NBA be successful with. So you've seen that. And yeah, I think that it could have hurt teams in their series. I think it hurt the A's. And I think the amount of home run balls in some of these series was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, 100%. And so my argument for against the bubble is there wasn't a player that actually tested positive in over 40 days for baseball. The baseball players are doing their own part, yet they were taken away from their homes to to go finish up and play postseason baseball. For the MLB to make a ton of money because, as we've made, we've become very well aware that the majority of baseball's money comes through postseason TV revenue. And they, they decided that the best way to maximize the money was to put these guys in hotels. I actually have, I'm very familiar with the hotel in which the American League players are currently residing at for San Diego. So that was kind of neat. Uh, I have a friend who wants to go to the hotel and bang trash cans outside of it. Cause the Astros will be staying there as of probably tonight because game one of the ALCS will be on Sunday. We'll talk about the championship series after we recap these division series. So we're going to start with the NL actually, because these series were all sweeps uh, very limited talk about that. And then we can talk about the American leagues and then jump right into the ALCS, which begins tomorrow. So let's start with the first series. Miami versus Atlanta. These games were all stuck in the morning time slot. So you might have missed these if you were if you were working or something. Uh, you didn't really miss much. Just gonna be pretty honest with you. Miami Marlins, they cruised past or the Miami Marlins got cruised past by the Braves. I tweeted out a GIF. It was of uh, the girl from finding Nemo with the, the fish and was just banging the, the, the fish. I thought it was pretty fitting for how the series went. Game one. Braves. They they had a they dominated in the middle innings after Max Fried kind of got touched up a bit after being super dominant against the Reds. They ended up winning that game nine to five. Game two, pitchers duel between Ian Anderson and Pablo Lopez. Uh, Ian Anderson and the Braves won that two to nothing. And then game three was just domination from the Atlanta Braves as they won seven to nothing behind Kyle Wright. They they got some good outings out of the rookie pitchers. What did you guys think of this
1: series? Well, that's the first thing I want to talk about. I mean, we we've talked a lot about on this show, you know, the concern when it comes to Braves pitching, you know, we've said it a billion times, you know, they lose Soroka at the beginning of the year. They already didn't have Cole Hamels coming in. Um, They hardly did anything at the deadline except acquiring Tommy Malone to help anchor that pitching staff. Max Fried has been a monster all year, but you know, that was the main concern coming in and through, you know, the two series they've played so far, I mean, the pitching is is the strength. I mean, it's it's stepping up for them big time when they need it most. I mean, Ian Anderson, the rookie, has yet to allow a run in two career postseason starts. He's gone 11 and two-thirds combined, um, 17 strikeouts. He's got a whip below one. You know, he's been insane. And like you said, Max Free got touched up in game two of the NLDS against the Marlins. You know, he's been their ace all year. But then Kyle Wright, you know, a guy who we haven't seen go go in the postseason yet he got his first start he went six shutout innings as well in game three so i mean you know obviously it's against the marlins whose offense is not as potent as like the reds was but i mean still in the postseason when you need it to step up most the braves have had their pitching step up and the bullpen's been really good too so that's definitely something you know if i'm a, if i'm an atlanta fan to be proud about especially considering coming in that was definitely a doubt so Going into the NLCS um, against LA, I'm going to be interested to see if it if it holds up. It's going to be tough, but you know if it's it came this far, you know just stick to what works and you know if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
2: Yeah, team for Atlanta has been really solid, especially from Anderson and Wright. Yeah, Max Smith got touched up a little bit, but he has just been terrific all year long, really replacing Soroka. For me with the Braves this postseason, this is where I thought the loss of Soroka would really come in and hurt them because he's their best arm. He's their ace, but Max has done well. Ian Anderson has been terrific. Cole, you said it hasn't given up a run in 11 and two thirds. He's been terrific for them. Then Kyle, right. First postseason starts six, I think seven strikeouts, no runs, terrific performance from him. And if they can keep this going, it gives them a shot against the Dodgers. But Looking at that series, it's going to be tough for them. But going on their offense, though, their offense was actually really solid. In game one, it was Travis Darnold, four RBIs, who's really been terrific for them this postseason throughout. Darnold, again, with an RBI in game two, along with Danzy Swanson, as both those guys hit home runs to put them over the top and get a win. Game three. You didn't see Acuna or Freeman do a lot in game three, but it was Swanson and Darnold again. Those two really carried the offense and got them to where they wanted to be to get that sweep. Got to give a shout out to both those guys, especially Darnold who had six RBIs in those three games.
0: Yeah. Travis Darno has really revitalized his career ever since he went down to Tampa Bay after getting cut by both the Mets and the Dodgers. Uh, they – Dodgers, they don't get the last laugh this time, which is funny because they normally end up getting that. They're they're pretty set at the catching position, though, I would say. Uh, you know, you mentioned it, the, the pitching, and that's what it really comes down to. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see because the Reds' offense, they struggled for the majority of the year, got hot at the end of the year, but overall weren't a great offense. And then the Miami Marlins weren't a great offense either. The Dodgers, however, they're a great offense. So how is the Braves starting pitching going to do against the Dodgers is going to be a big storyline because we knew the Braves could hit. That was never the question. And the Braves, they, they showed that, hey, our starting pitching is here to to compete. And I think I say, say this for a lot of people, the Dodgers might not be as good next year as they, have, as they were this year. They're losing a couple of bats in their lineup. The Braves have a test. If they can get through the Dodgers this year, they're really setting themselves up for the future. I'll actually be at the NLCS, so that'll be awesome to watch but let's talk about the other series the the series that did involve me San Diego Padre. can
2: I, can I mention one thing about the Braves that really sure. shocked me yeah the bullpen the bullpen only allowed one run over that series and five hits they were terrific and that was my main worry with them was their bullpen because they've had some shaky performances but the bullpen was terrific. Well,
0: the bullpen has actually been way better than the starting pitching all year, especially with uh, the signing of Will Smith was great. And then last year, Chris Martin didn't pitch in the postseason because he got hurt getting warm for game one. That really hurt them. Melanson's had another great year. And then Tyler matzek has been a nice left-handed arm out of the bullpen for them. So like you said, uh, in the past, the Bridge Bullpen hasn't been great. But this year, it's been a strength of theirs, obviously not the, the strength to which their offense is but it's certainly been a key reason why they found themselves at the two seed and they actually found themselves in the NLCS this year. They did finally get over that NLDS hump. They had it last year and then they kind of threw it away, but they're here now. Uh, Any other notes on this series, Cole, for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, we really didn't mention the Marlins at all. And I mean, I think you have to talk a little bit about, you have to give them a little bit of credit after, you know, all the, all the years of, of um, you know jokes and memes, if you will, and you know this this team is not good. You know I feel like they really proved you know under certain circumstances they can really be good. They made the postseason. They did a really nice job. So even though their season came to an end, you know props to them for really I guess shaking it up this year. They that might be a team if you know they keep the core intact and you know if they if they get better in future off seasons that might be a team that actually makes a run at the NL East. Over the next few seasons, so you know, props to them and and the job Don Mattingly has done over there and in helping that team get where it is, especially after the complications that whole team had with COVID earlier in the year. I mean, they had guys who hadn't even played pass a ball, you know, starting games on the mound, and it was just a great story. So that was definitely um, that, one, that was definitely something that was cool to watch for me. So, got to give props to them. And the problem with the Marlins is they do have that
0: supposed. Juggernaut on the rise with the Braves in that division. It seems like I'd imagine the Nationals will be a little bit better next year. Healthy Strasburg, Scherzer is going to come back motivated, and they don't have two weeks without Juan Soto at the beginning of the season where they just find themselves in a huge hole and they really kind of dig themselves out of it. So the division it's going to be uphill climb for the Marlins. They've certainly self. They've certainly set themselves up with a good rebuild in. Coming into the year, we all predicted them to be last place, but we all highlighted. They have a young starting pitching staff. They have a couple of veteran bats to go along with a couple of young bats that they like. And it's a combination for a team that's going to exceed expectations constantly. And that's all they did this year. They just exceeded expectations. They found ways to fight. And you know what? Good for them. They, they won a playoff series. They This was their first playoff series loss in the NLDS in franchise history, which is hilarious because. They they still have never won the division. As a matter of fact, all three times they've gotten in as a wild card team. So, I I think the Marlins do have a bright it's future. The
2: power of the wild card. Yes, it's the power of the wild.
0: You card. would know, even though when you guys won your World Series, you did win your division. Uh,
2: that, that's very true. But you got it
0: started by being a wild card team.
2: Yeah, it all started with the wild card. Sorry, Parker, but <laughs> no. Uh, Miami's really been impressive. Don Manley, I think, should get manager of the year in the NL he's been terrific and I know you hate to agree with that because former Dodgers yeah. manager no it's not even that. that it's that Jace Tingler's not gonna win yeah. it's that Jace Tingler's had a he, he's been very good this year and I know you were iffy about him going into this season because I know you liked Ron Washington but no he he was really good so far he's been really good
0: yeah Zero complaints for me. And so leading into that, let's talk about Padres-Dodgers. This was a tough series to watch as a Padres fan. It just kind of summed up the whole Padres-Dodgers, I don't want to say rivalry because it's not really a rivalry. It's turning into one. It's turning into one,
2: but the Padres got to win. I'm going to say a note on that. Like Derek Carr said about the Chiefs, you can't call it a rivalry until you win some games. Right.
0: We view them as our rival, but we know they don't view us as theirs. Anyways. Game one, uh, the Padres kind of choked this one away. I won't lie, Padres up one nothing, and then there was a throwing/slash fielding error from Eric Cosmer, Uh, and then the Dodgers scored four runs. Wait, hold on. I let me describe the game, and then you can give me crap, okay? Please. And then game two was the heartbreaker. The Padres had Kershaw on the ropes. They had this game. They played better than the Dodgers, but. They lost six to five. We'll go into that in a little bit because I'll cry. And then game three was just a beatdown. Uh, Padres couldn't capitalize at any point, and the bullpen was heavily taxed. And Pot- the Dodgers won twelve to three. So Ryan, I'll start with you. You can go ahead and make fun of me for Eric Hosmer not having a great series. Didn't hit a home run, but
2: he struggled. So you can un- unleash. I'm just gonna say this. You know where he's only clutch. It's in Kansas City. You know it. He's overpaid. At one point he was batting sub 115 with the home run. Like, I'm sorry. And then he made an error in the field. The one the one error that really shocked me. It wasn't a great throw, but the ball went just it hit his glove and went out. It was sort broken of it, it was throw. it was an error on Hosmer. Yeah, it, it was. Oh, it was. That should have been caught. And that's been the one thing that surprised me since he ever went to San Diego. His fielding has gone down. It was better this year
0: than it was in previous years, Oh, yeah.
2: He was a gold glove defender in Kansas City. And he just hasn't been the same. His bat hasn't been the same. But, hey, he hit a home run in the postseason. Congrats. Just remember, you overpaid him. And you still still have him for a few more years. Thanks. Cole, what what did you think of the series?
1: Um, you know, we talk, I think we talked a little bit about it when we were previewing the series, but the biggest thing for me is, and I feel like we all knew it, you know, the Dodgers are just have way more depth. They're just a deeper team. That's really the biggest takeaway for me here. You know, when you come into a series without two of your best arms on, you know, 100% healthy going up against probably the best team in baseball, um, um, That's not going to end well. (laughs) Um, That's the only way you can say it. But, you know, I thought, you know, coming in, they would still at least find a way maybe to steal a game given, you know, the way their offense performed against the Cardinals and stuff like that. But the Dodgers are a whole nother animal. We all know that. But, I mean, first first thing I want to say for me about game one and specifically Mike Clevenger um, is they should have never pitched him. And I'm going to tell you why, because God knows what he's going to be like coming into next year. I mean, if it sounded like a pretty serious injury coming in, the fact that they let him pitch and that he came out to start the second inning. And I mean, he probably blew his arm out. I'm not going to I'm not going to joke around here. I mean, what, six, seven, possibly eight ticks of velocity down is not is not good for a first pitch to start an inning. but. you know, hopefully for his sake, because he's one of my favorite guys to watch, and I know for Padre fans as well, he's a really fun guy to watch as well. You know, hopefully for his sake, he's healthy going into next year. But they should have never pitched him. So, I mean, if we're talking about competing and if he was 100% healthy, yeah, go ahead. You need him. But you got to think about your future. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is, you know, especially when, you, when every game turns into a bullpen game, it's going to be hard to match up, especially against the Dodgers. And, you know, it's tough for a, a new manager like Tingler, who, you know, really handled, you know, all of his decisions when it came to the pitching in the wildcard series. Because, you know, again, he made do with what he had and they found a way to win. But then coming in against the Dodgers, again, just a whole new animal. So it was going to it was going to be tough sledding from the beginning. And again, the Dodgers are just much more deep. Deep. They had options going into future games, you know, as far as pitching was concerned, the Padres, I'm pretty sure it was a game time decision every single day. They, it was undecided who was going to pitch pretty much, you know, up until seemed like an hour or two before the game started. So, you know, that's the biggest takeaway for me. We all expected the Dodgers to win, but you know, it just comes down to depth. You know, the Dodgers are the deepest team in baseball and that's why they're the best team in baseball.
2: I'm going to piggyback off of what Cole said. They should have never pitched Clevenger. If they wanted to, they should have pitched him game one. I think they could have waited until game two, but overall they should have pitched him. Because what I saw was he said in an interview that the discomfort in his arm is feels like bones are hitting the back of his elbow. That's the last thing you want to hear from your pitcher. This could end in Tommy John. And that's, and I don't wish that upon anyone. And that would be devastating to the Padres who just trade for him and they would lose a key piece of that rotation. They should have never pitched him. And I think that's something against Jace Tingler and, and the medical staff thinking that he should be able to pitch. And I know the Padres wanted to compete with the Dodgers and try to take them out. I completely get that. But not at the expense of losing one of your – your, I'm just going to beat around it – your best pitcher. So that's my thing. And I think another thing that hurt the Padres was that in the series, Fernando Tatis went two for 11 at the plate. He struggled. So I think that hurt them a lot. Machado also did not have the best series. He only accumulated, I think, one or two hits in that series. So another rough series from the two best bats in that lineup. So I think that put their offense back. So just not the best years from the Padres. But again, they have a bright future. They have so much talent. They've got a great bullpen, solid rotation, and they've got a great core with Myers, who actually had a solid season, Machado, Hosmer, who's still there, and Cronenworth and Tatis. They've got such a great core, and they've, they're the future's bright for them. I definitely can see them back. And potentially in the NLCS next year, depending how everything falls out.
1: And I'm going to, you know, just because I think everyone deserves their props right now. And, you know, I'm going to give everyone love because, you know, as a fan of baseball, watching San Diego play this year was not only, I mean, except when they're playing Arizona, but San Diego, watching them play this year was not only like fun to watch, but it also was hard not to cheer for them. You know, this team, um, this franchise, this core group of guys—Machado, Tatis—you know, all the all the youth they got coming up through the minors over the next few years. That's they're. It's good for baseball. And you know, this season really, in in a year that was so unprecedented as far as you know, the uncertainties of where, whether we were even going to play this year, um, it kind of distract gave a distraction for all of that. So shouts out to the Padres for, you know, just giving baseball fans, you know, and, and people who are non-baseball fans, you know, something, you know, to really cheer about and to enjoy this year. And like Brian said, I think this team who was expected, you know, the whole thing was, Oh, next year's their year. You know, they're, they're going to be good next year. They were good this year. They're going to be probably even better next year. I'm excited to see how they play in a 162 game season. Um, so it was just cool to watch that play out. And it's a, it's nice to see a team that hasn't been there before, that's young, to get that experience and to get those reps against the top dog and to see how it plays out. And you know what? They did get swept, but they played competitive in pretty much every single game other than the last one. It was a fun series to watch. And you sort of started to see this, again, rivalry develop. So it's going to be cool to see over the next couple of years. I really appreciated the baseball the Padres played this year. Um, And I can't wait to see how they do in the future, honestly.
2: Yeah, there's only the great things that you can say for that. But before Dom goes into his his sayings, you got to give credit to the Dodgers. Dodgers played terrific ball throughout the series. Yeah, they, they shouldn't have won game two. They shouldn't have. But they did what they did to need to win. Bellinger turned it up. Great robbery from Tatis. It was a terrific play. Any baseball fan will tell you that. Even though that was probably soul crushing to Dom, Bellinger also had five RBIs in, season. in the season, and not the season, this series. He has had he struggled at the plate this year. He has, but for him to get five RBIs and really drive in runs in this series, including three in that final game, is big for them. Especially when they're going against Atlanta, who has such a dominant offense. So this team looked good. They drove in runs. They did what they needed to do to win. And their offense is still insane, and so is their bullpen. But I'll I'll finish with this. The Padres, it was – I don't like seeing the Padres do great because it fuels Dom's ego. But I will say this. It was so much fun to watch them play this year. It really was. But also, I still think they are the Kansas City Padres.
0: All right. Yeah, I'm good to go. Okay. So, I mean, this this series – I already came in to the series with little expectations and then Clevenger comes and you're like, all right, you are like alright you know, you never know. And I a hundred percent agree with you guys. I do have two Padres podcasts so on both of them. I said the Padres shouldn't bring back Clevenger unless they are hundred percent certain that he won't get hurt. Guess what? He got hurt. He blocked three batters in the first inning. He didn't look all that great. His pitches looked fine, but it, the, there was zero command on the off speed. And that, that signaled to me that he, he's not feeling hundred percent in then he came out for the second inning and his first fastball came out at 89. And, you know, the, the, the typical fans are sitting there and, you don't know, oh, oh, it was a ball. And I sat there and, like, I said, he's hurt. And then they're like, I was there. I was watching a couple of friends, uh, including a Dodgers fan. And they're like, how do you know? And I'm like, that pitch is went about six miles an hour slower than his normal fastball. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Next pitch, curveball up. And then you saw the training staff run out and I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, cool. We just lost the series because the bullpen was very taxed in the series against St. Louis. And then you come around and you you have to do the same thing. And this is a way better team in the Los Angeles Dodgers and St. Louis Cardinals. That's no knock on the Cardinals. It's just facts. And it sucked because you you knew when Clevenger went out, the series is basically over and the Potters had a chance to win game one. The error on Cronenworth was an error on Hosmer, and the Potters had opportunities to put them uh, to put themselves up in that situation. And in the second inning, Potter stranded the bases loaded, uh, struck out twice with the bases loaded. Which I don't want to say can't happen because I, I'm I'm a realistic baseball fan. It's tough to hit the ball, especially against Walker Bueller. Potters failed the score. It sucked. And then you go around and you got out of the inning, but Eric Hosmer didn't get to the back quick enough and. When he, he he thought he got to the bag, but if he gets there in time, he's got enough time to find the bag, then turn around, then try and find it while trying to catch the ball. He ended up missing, and it only cost us one run that time, but then the momentum flipped, and then the Potters lost that game. And then game two, Zach Beavis, he didn't pitch particularly well, and the Potters had a great chance to win it. Maybe Machado got the team fired up the home run. I don't want to hear any of Ryan slander- Manny Machado hit the ball hard all series. It, you you can point at the stats all you want, but if you hit the ball hard, all, all I can say is, hey, wait, to hit the ball hard because at that point it's really
2: out of your control, especially with all the shifting that they do in baseball now. And we'll talk about that more when we get into the AL series as well. No, Machado did a great job hitting the ball really well,
0: right? And and then Eric Hosmer followed him up with the home run, and then it brought in Dar. And Fernando Tatis Jr. got all of it. And I'll tell you what I was doing. I was sitting on the couch, and he hit the ball the straightaway center field. And I know that 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 is park is deep. I'm um, sitting there, uh, you know, the ball's hit well. It's probably fly out to the warning track. I see Bellinger going back, and I stand up. I'm like, get out, get out, get out, get out. And I'm watching with a friend of mine who's also a Padres fan. He's like, get out. Bellinger jumps up, catches the ball. We simultaneously fall to the floor. You just knew at that point the Padres were losing. But the Padres still had enough fight to come back down in the ninth inning. Uh, loaded the bases. Of course, couldn't get it done. Uh, we don't need to go into that any further, Mr. Blank. Uh, and it's
2: Wait, bases loaded two outs in the ninth? Hold on. Who got no. it out? Eric uh, Cosmer. Uh, it's like he's not clutch. Sorry.
0: You, you can turn your video back off again, Ryan. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh it it sucked because I mean you got dragged in. The Potters had done that to a lot uh to a to us a lot of the time the season where they're down, they come back, they make it close to the ninth inning because the team has a lot of fight, which is something Potters teams haven't had in a lot in the past. They made it a close game. I applaud them, and then game three was just awful. Adrian Murahone had never pitched more than 46 pitches in any outing in his major league career. Kid's super talented. He's going to be a starter for us going forward, but you he only thrown 46 pitches uh, in his longest start or his longest appearance. Yet we're setting him up to fail because now all of a sudden we're asking him to set a new, a new personal longest outing in terms of pitches against the Dodgers in the postseason, in his first postseason start. That's setting your up, that's setting your guy up to fail, especially when he comes out after a very long half inning, in which the Potters once again have the bases loaded. Uh, they did get a they did get two runs across, but they certainly had an opportunity to get some more. The the bullpen management in this game wasn't great, and part of that goes to the fact that the Padres played the Dodgers ten times in the regular season, which isn't as much as normal. And they'd already faced the bullpen several times throughout the course of those games, and then you top it off with the fact that they already faced our bullpen uh, a significant amount of the time for the first two games. They've already seen all these guys several times throughout the year, and. The, the Potters had to throw out their bullpen for the entire game because the starting pitching staff was so hurt. It, it was just there was very little chances the Potters were going to win the series. And the way that the Potters had to do it certainly was not going to set up in their favor. And you know what? The the way the third game ended was how you want to lose in an elimination game. You know, you're getting crushed. And you just sit there and just appreciate what happened throughout the course of the season because If you got to sweat it out and you lose by one run, like how the potters in a game two to end your season, that's heartbreaking, but I'm sitting there on the couch, you know, thinking about all the great, the great memories of the season and appreciating what this team did for me, the fan base and for the franchise going forward. It was a tough ending. Uh, Obviously, you know, you want to keep going, but uh, there was a point, you know, midway through September where you're realistically looking, Hey, the Padres have to play the Dodgers in the postseason, unless if the Dodgers somehow lose to the eighth seed, which was never gonna happen. So I think any realistic Padres fan knew that the series, the season was gonna end at the hands of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And that's what happened. I would have loved to take him I would have loved to take game two. Uh, didn't happen. Cody Bellinger saved the day. I don't want to say he saved the series, but he certainly saved that game because that ball goes over the wall. The Padres win 110%. So then we go Pagan, Pomeranz, Rosenthal, and it's done. But that's not what happened. Got to give credit to the Dodgers. And it was a tough series, but it was a great season. I couldn't be disappointed in my team. You guys got anything else on this series? Okay, so let's move over to the American League side. We'll, We'll talk about these two series, which were both very entertaining. They went more than three games. And then we'll talk about the ALCS. So let's start with the series that only went four games. Let's start with Houston and Atlanta. Sorry, Houston and Oakland. Uh, The Houston Astros ended up winning the series three games to one. They ended up stealing game one from the Astros bullpen, courtesy of an error from Marcus Simeon that ended up translating into a couple of runs that really propelled the Astros over the Oakland uh, bullpen, which had been so elite all year. And then game two. Houston, uh, Framber Valdez locked him down. He's been really solid for them all year. 5-2. Oakland stole game three. Man was at an electric game. Liam Hendricks ended up pitching the final three innings of the game. Unfortunately, that was all he was used for. And then game four, it was a back-and-forth game, and then Oakland ran away with it late, winning 11-6. So, guys, we all got the series wrong. We all had Oakland winning it. Uh, What surprised you about the series and what do you guys make of Houston going forward in the ALCS?
1: Well, I thought, again, we talked about in the open, like, you know, all the home runs hit. I mean, you know, if you like the long ball, you know what they say, chicks dig the long ball. So, you know, watch out. Um, I don't know. It was just, it it was an interesting series, but the biggest takeaway for me is like, you know, you know, the Astros have just been there before. So they have that experience. The A's have also been there before, but I think just not to the capacity of what the Astros have been, how the Astros have been there before, if you will. I don't know. It I'm sort of puzzled to think how this didn't at least go, you know, all five games, you know, because we all said it Oakland this year was significantly better than Houston was. And I mean, coming in, you know, again you throw all that out the window but you like your chances if you're a team that has done well in the regular season coming into the postseason and i mean that just wasn't the case i mean you know houston just completely outplayed them it felt like in almost every single game i mean whenever the a's would put up you know a couple homers the ashers would come back with three or four more it was just you know it was almost as if you know again we talk about you know turning it on at the right time i feel like houston's really doing that you know they've come in They, you know, swept the Twins, which we all thought, you know, the Twins were going to break that, you know, playoff record, um, losing record. Um, They didn't, you know, then they got to play the A's. Interesting series just at the look of it because it's two division rivals who, you know, absolutely hate each other. And you'd think the A's would have, you know, a little bit more to provide. But how much more can you provide when you're putting up that kind of run support every single time? The pitching just completely blew up i mean there was really no pitching it felt like you know when it came to the a's um i mean for both teams really it was it was one of those series where you know the team who just scored the most was going to decide it um and i don't know talking about like you know just some players who did well i mean carlos correa you know talk about a guy who's been there before four homers this postseason 12 ribbies he's batting 500 i mean Ridiculous. George Springer also did really well. Um, Jose Altuve hit a big home run that sort of, you know, I guess, you know, put the finishing touches on, you know, game four. This team just did a really good job hitting the ball. And it's going to be intriguing to see how they perform in the ALCS because it's a rematch of last year's ALDS um, when they had to play the Rays. And that one went all five games and the Rays. Tested them. So I'm going to be interested to see how that series goes. But as far as this series, again, biggest takeaway for me is it's just the Astros doing well at the right time.
2: Yeah, what the Astros did well was really expose the A's bullpen. That has been one of the best in the American League and in the entire MLB this season. They got to Jake Deekman who only gave up one earned run in those 60 games. Only one earned run. And, he sh- and they exposed him. They got to him. Carlos Correa has been insane this postseason. 11 RBIs in four games against the A's. He really has been the engine to that Astros offense. And they just did a great job getting to their bullpen. And I think that was the key for the Astros was to get to the starters early and to continue to get to the bullpen because we've seen it. The bullpen can do a lot for the A's a great bullpen can get your team deep in the playoffs unless it can get exposed. And that's what happened with the A's. And, you know, I know a lot of A's fans, including my roommate, Parker, want them to go all in this year. This was a year to go all in. And I think that this series is a little bit different. If Matt Chapman's healthy, if Matt Chapman's there, it's a little bit of a different series. I wouldn't say that's meaning the A's win it. But I think he's there. It helps to line up a little bit. Not not like the deciding factor. But also, they, I was against what the A's did at the deadline, not going and trying to get a top starting pitcher like Lance Lynn or even trying to go after Clevenger before the Padres got to him. So the A's, they're a great team. They have a great infield. And I think that... When it comes down to next year, they got to add to their starting pitching. But the Astros continual, continually are surprising me. Uh, as much as I want to see them lose, their pitching, their pitching has been great with Valdez and Christian Javier. And their hitting has been terrific, getting to each pitching stuff that they keep going against. So credit to the Astros and, and Dusty Baker, who's definitely good to go there for, for a long time. Yeah, and I personally don't
0: mind the Astros winning, per se. What I prefer to see them lose, 110%. But they're winning without cheating. And I, I know I stand for a lot of fans by saying I loved watching that team prior to the fact that we learned that they were cheating. And I don't think that's a really a hot take. I think that a lot of people would agree with me on that. And you're, you're seeing this team is fun. They're, they're fun. It's a lot of fun players. Correa, he's, he's tall shortstop. You don't see a lot of those guys. He's like Tatis both more power. He's been killing the ball. George Springer, he's got that fun smile, personality power hitting center fielder that can run it down in the gaps. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley's been really good. So I personally don't mind seeing them um the winning, what I love to see them lose because they cheated and they they jeopardized the game of baseball. Yeah, but they're doing it without cheating right now. And I feel like if they can win and the more they keep winning, the further it it uh it lessens the fact that they cheated and that's what they had to use to win. And I think I echoed that on Blaze last semester when we were there. The best way for them to, to shut up the haters is to win
2: without cheating. And they're doing that. The most frustrating thing was with them cheating. He says, they got such great talent that they didn't need to. Yeah, exactly. Staff with Cole and Verlander and then Granky last year at the end, back end. But then they have the talent. They've got Bregman, Correa, Springer, Altuve, Gurriel. That team is so loaded the last thing they needed to do was cheat, and that's why it's frustrating. So to see them win without cheating just solidifies the point that they didn't need to do it, and that they're still a good team. So I I don't mind them winning as long as as long as they're not cheating.
0: Right. And going back to your point about Matt Chapman, they actually got some good production from Chad Pinder, who was playing third base, uh, especially in the ALDS. He hit three hundred eight with a 3.75 OBP, 8.46 sling percentage. And we had two of those bombs. He had that one oppo taco that was just absolutely crushed to right center field. Like, you don't see lefties hit the ball up there at Dodger Stadium. He did it right-handed. So, I don't know. And the way that the series was playing, with the long ball being a huge part of it because the ball just flying at daytime in Dodger Stadium, which we, we've seen in the past that that's what happens there, that benefited the Astros a ton because they certainly have more power than the Oakland Athletics and a lot of their offense. You know, Bregman, Springer, Correa, even Altuve is power. Those guys, they were hitting the ball in the ballpark like it was nobody's business. You saw Matt Olson hit a couple of home runs. You saw Chris Davis hit a couple of home runs. So those guys that were getting into it, Ramon Laureano in game four, had two home runs. But at the end of the day, the Astros hit the ball better. They hit the ball with more of a launch angle, and that's how they ended up winning the series. It's frustrating because I do like the A's, They're that small ball team that they've got to build up with not a lot of money, finding guys that have uh, undervalued traits with them, uh, prospects, all of that. And to see them lose to a divisional rival that got in, in an expanded playoffs because they were under 500. It sucks for A's fans and you feel for them in that aspect. They, they finally did get over the hump. They won their playoff series against the White Sox, but. They got bounced here. So I, I felt bad for A's fans for sure. And no, they wanted to beat the Astros after they felt they were robbed in the past couple of years with the cheating from the Astros. Uh, anything else you guys got on this series?
1: I mean, on the topic of the A's, again, I'm, I'm going to show my love. You know, um, I just, you know, again, another team performed really well this year. I think they were motivated by the fact that, you know, shortened season, you know, Fresh off of the whole Astros cheating scandal, they came in with a vengeance with with an extra motivation to say, like, hey, we're going to prove why we're the, actually the best team in this division. And as far as the regular season is concerned, they definitely did. They played really well. Um, they stepped up. They had guys like, you know, Lazardo come out and, you know, pitch for a whole season who impressed, did really well. Chris Bassett did really well in the regular season. His team's still going to be good and consistent. That's the thing about the A's. They're going to be consistent for a long time. They're always going to find ways to piece together a team that's going to win ballgames. Everybody everybody has a job. Everybody does their job, and they do it really well. And that's one thing I really like about the A's. They're going to compete for a long time. I am certain they'll probably be back in a similar position come next year. Um, But, you know, again, Houston was just a better team. But shout out to the A's.
2: Yeah, I just want to say one last thing. I wanted a game five because it was Mike fires on the mound. If the A's would have won that game, that was a match made in heaven for this time. That would have been awesome to see, but like, like Cole said, this team's always consistently there. They're going to win games. They're going to put themselves in a chance to be a contender in the playoffs. So you just got to expect that from them each and every year.
0: Yeah. I think they'll be back. Liam Hendricks is a free agent. So it'll be interesting to see if they end up bringing him back because he was a big part of their success over the past couple of years. I don't know. Well, we'll see, especially with the way the Astros performed this year. Uh, George Springer, also a free agent. We'll, we'll talk about free agency in episodes once the postseason ends. Let's talk about the final division series. By far, the best one. This one involved the AL East teams, the Yankees, and America's team. The Tampa Bay Rays, who I said I've kept it the entire year, they were going to represent the American League. You guys both bailed on them. Shame on you. Go, Rays. Rays. They ended up losing game one to Garrett Cole despite hitting him pretty well. Uh, let's see what I get on the score for that one. Lost nine to three. John uh, Carlos standing in a grand slam in the ninth thing that iced that game. Game two, Tampa Bay stormed back behind Tyler Glasnow. Now he had some interesting pitching decisions from the New York Yankees where they started DV Garcia and Brian J. A. Happ in the second inning, trying to get the Rays to, to change their lineup or to get a lineup favorable for J. A. Happ just didn't work at all. And then they also lost game three, uh, playoff. Masahiro Tanaka did not show up this postseason. He is an impending free agent. So we'll see where he goes after that. You got game four. The Yankees did come back. Uh, they, they found a way to win five to one and then game five, the only game that was on Friday, the Yankees ended up losing Garrett Cole's start in elimination game because they only scored one run. And let me tell you that, that was an awesome game that I was watching during the NBA finals. Tampa Bay ends up winning it two to one. what do you guys think of
1: this series? It was an exciting one. I, like you said, um, definitely the best series by far. Um, And I mean, again, Tampa Bay, you know, who just, I mean, even as good as they are, I mean, given all the injuries that happened this year and all the adversity they faced, I'm still shocked. They've gotten as far as they had, but, you know, kudos to them for again, being a team like the A's who, you know, they don't work with a whole lot of money, but they find ways to piece together a team that can win games. And they prove that against, you know, arguably not only the richest baseball team, but the richest sports franchise, um, in America, at least, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but you get the Probably. point. Yeah, well, you get the point. Um, you know, it's it's just cool to see something like that. But this was a really good series, classic series. It's going to go down as, you know, one people revisit. Um, but the way it ended, I just love the way it ended, you know, with, I um, forget the guy's name, Brasso. Brasso. I don't know the guy's name. Brasso, who was actually thrown at earlier in the year by Rollins Chapman. He homers off of him to end the series like
0: that too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was that was awesome. I I can only think about you know what one Brad Pitt said. How can you not be romantic about baseball? That was just so awesome. Just an awesome moment. I just thought that was super cool. You know, he was due to honestly touch him up there, but really good series. And you know, guys, you had guys step up in the series, like you know Randy or Rosarena, who I mean I hadn't even heard of to be completely honest until. I watched, started watching the postseason this year. Um, the guy's hitting 444 this postseason. He's been unstoppable. Um, I think at one point he was sitting like 700. Um, it was like game two or game three of that series. You know, he's, he tore the cover off the ball. And, you know, he's a guy we haven't really seen a whole lot um, until the postseason. You know, he's, I feel like, really stepped it up and made a name for himself once October came around. But, yeah, again, you know, just a series where it was a classic slugfest, a lot of home runs, you know, a lot of back and forth. Um, But, you know, again, the way it ended was just awesome. And I mean, I'm excited to see this next series with the Rays going up against the Astros rematch of, like I said, last year's ALDS. It's going to be intriguing to see because these two teams are much different compared to last year. And honestly, I think we might see a different outcome.
2: Yeah, this is gonna be a terrific series, but going back, what else can you ask from Garrett Cole? He was terrific in that in both games they pitched in this series. Gave them a dominant start game one, gave them a 1-0 series lead. Now, comes in, in an elimination game, game five. What else can you ask of him? Goes five and a third, gives a great outing, and you only get him one run. Which that was the thing that really shocked me most, is because the one thing that we have talked about a lot this year is that how the Yankees lineup one through nine at any time can drive in a run and make something happen. And you didn't see that yesterday. And that's just what really shocked me. A disappointing end to this season, especially offensively. It's different if they put up more runs, but they did not put up many runs. They only put up one and I expect the offense to be better. And To see Brousseau hit one off of Chapman, just, again, Chapman just continues to struggle in that CS. And especially the history between the two, it's just something that is really cool to see. But overall, the Rays, despite all the injuries they've had, they've been terrific. The pitching was great. Glass now was terrific. I just want to mention how insane the Pirates were, trading away both. Glass now and Garrett Cole, who faced off against each other last night, but
1: and off Meadows,
2: yeah, and Meadows, yeah, they've made some. Well, because Meadows went yard at that game too. You had to be furious
0: as a Pirates yeah. fan watching that game. Yeah, that
1: I wouldn't have watched if I was Pirates fans are them. living vicariously through the Rays. Pirates fans are Rays fans.
2: <laughs> America's <laughs> team. We're all Rays hey, fans.
0: Hey, if I, you're I, not I'm rooting
2: say for say the Rays, you're either you say something. Royals fans are vicariously living through the Padres. There's a lot of Royals on that team. Just saying. Sure.
0: Uh, Like I said, I'll gladly welcome you onto the bandwagon. Uh, America's team, what else can I say? How can you not root for this team? They took a guy who was undrafted and he did a home run off of Roldis Chapman, one of the highest paid closers in baseball history, one of the most dominant closers in baseball history. Has he had that problem in the postseason? Yes. Do I feel bad for A- Aroldis Chapman? Absolutely not. Let's go, Rays. This was an awesome series, and it shows you. You go as far as your pitching staff will take you. This pitching staff is great. The two games of the, the two games that the Yankees won, their offense exploded. The games that they lost was because the Rays just outpitched and out hit them. So the Rays had the better pitching staff. No one's gonna deny that. And the lack of Yankees starting pitching, it showed up because they weren't able to get quality innings out of those guys, except for Garrett Cole in game one and Garrett Cole would have gone deeper in game five, but he was on short rest. And the Yankees probably would have got crushed by Houston. If I'm being honest, because Houston's pitching staff is way deeper. And I I'm just glad that the Rays who have that deep pitching staff, they got Blake Snell going game one, you know, Glasnow pitched on two days rest and was, Killer. And the only run the Yankees got was a home run that went to Petco Porch, which if or uh yeah, the Petco Porch, which if you know anything about Petco Park, right down the right field line. It's kind of like the pesky pole where it's caved in and it's really shallow. But if you miss it, it's either gonna go foul or you gotta hit it another 20, 25 feet for it to go out. And Aaron Judge hit it in the second row there. And it was like a short porch home run at Yankee Stadium. So it was almost like they were playing at home. And that was off Nick Anderson, who had been the best reliever in baseball that year. He had allowed one hit against a right-handed batter all season going into that at bat. Aaron Judge took a deep. LeMayhu ended up getting a hit later in the game off of him. So it ended up being the third hit. I mean, the Rays just executed their plan to perfection. They grinded wins off of the, the the top of the Yankees bullpen, which is very elite, and they grinded a run off of Garrett Cole. And that's what they do. The race grand. they raise correct. They find players who have underappreciated values, and they find a way to get the best out of them. That's what they did with a bunch of players last year, got them to game five with the Astros. And they did it again this year against the Yankees, who were far and away the favorite to win the American League throughout the entire year. I never caved in. I said, raise, 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 because I knew that pitching staff would carry them. That's exactly what they did. Anything you guys got else to say about the raise of the Yankees?
1: I mean, as far as, you know, when it comes to the Rays, again, we talk about um, the pitching staff. I, I, like you said, I'm really intrigued to see how this next series goes up, goes out. Cause like you said, honestly, if the Yankees match up against the Astros, it's probably advantage Astros as far as the pitching is concerned. You need the pitching coming in. Um, Ask anybody who's came into the postseason this year or any year, you know, about that. They're going to tell you, Hey, we need pitching. So, I feel like it's going to be much more competitive, much more, again, grinded out series. It's going to be really fun to watch. But um, kudos to the Rays for, again, like you said, just kind of proving people wrong. You know, guys, guys who do their job and help you win up and down a roster, up and down an order, up and down a pitching rotation, whatever, that's a recipe for a team that's going to go a long way. And, you know, honestly, the Rays have been doing that this year. So kudos to them.
0: All right, let's move on to the championship series. We'll start on the American League side, given that series does start first Sunday afternoon. We got Game One. It's gonna be Framber Valdez and the Houston Astros against Blake Snell and the Rays. Uh, the Houston Astros announced that Lance McCullers will be starting Game Two for the Astros, and that's all we got. Who do you guys got in this best of seven series, which has no uh, has no off days?
1: Well, you know, to start again, I've been talking about it a lot. This is gonna be an interesting series. Rematch from last year's ALDS. First off, I think it goes all seven. I think it's gonna be a really competitive series. Um, but I got the Rays. Rays have performed well all year. They've stepped up big when they needed it most in the postseason. I think that continues. I think you know, the bats of Randy Rosarena and you know, Austin Meadows stay hot um throughout. And I think they continue to find a way to win games. And I think Tyler Glasnow, Blake Snell, and Charlie Morton, you know, put together a really strong series along with that bullpen, which is arguably the best in baseball. So I got Rays
2: in all seven games. Brian, who you got? I'm going to go with the Rays in six. I think that the pitching staff is really going to be the catalyst in this series. When you got Glasnow, Snell, Morton, and a terrific bullpen, and then a solid offense that can just – Get you in any dimension. Small ball, long ball. Anyway, I really like the race. They're going to be the AL representation in the World Series. You guys have come to the light side. I was Great. on the side, and then I jumped off like but an you idiot. you
0: left. You went to the dark side. Yeah, I'm a, hey,
2: we've learned. With my predictions, I'm an idiot.
0: Yes, glad you can finally come Now the out race, you're going to lose. Hey. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, that's only if I bet on them. Don't. Don't do it. Don't. Anyways, Rays six, America's team. They're going to beat America's most hated team, uh, the Astros. I think the Rays get it done. And let's move over to the NL side. I will be at games two and game three for the NLCS. I can't wait. All we got for this series is Walker Buehler going game one, Clayton Kershaw going game two. I'd imagine it goes free to Anderson and then right like we saw for the Braves. Who do you guys got in this one?
1: I mean, again, you know, the Dodgers are just the deepest team in baseball, and they're going to prove it again. But I think the Braves do compete, unlike the other teams we've seen play against the Dodgers. I think Dodgers win this one in six, and I think they're all going to be pretty good games. But I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be the Atlanta pitching staff. Can they continue to perform the way they've performed so far through the postseason. And if they can, it's a much more interesting series. If it blows up on them in game one and we start to see the pitching staff that we saw in the regular season, it's going to be over fairly quickly. So I've got Dodgers, but I got the Braves competing and going six.
2: I also have the Dodgers in six. I think the Braves are going to get some games because of that dynamic offense that they have. You saw the Padres offense get to the strong bullpen that the Dodgers have. And I think that's going to be the same thing for the Braves. So I'm going to take the Dodgers in six. The Dodgers are the best team in the league, and they're going to go to the world series for the third time in four years.
0: You guys ready? Now I'm taking the Dodgers. Uh, I, I've, I've had it all year. They're the best team in baseball, uh, getting a lot of credit to the rate, to the Braves. I think they go seven in this series. I think that the Braves starting pitching has certainly impressed, uh, They are going to have their biggest test for sure, but I think their offense will be up to the challenge. They have a ton of postseason experience. They're playing great baseball right now. Uh, I think they ride their momentum, but the Dodgers are the better team and they'll find a way to get it done. Dodgers have also settled in in Dallas. I think that's going to be a main part of it. So that's going to wrap up this episode of the Golden Sombrero Show. We thank you for tuning in. Uh, On behalf of Cole Bradley and Ryan Blank, we hope you enjoy some championship series baseball. And starting out,